Welcome to the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Inman. I'm joined by star producer and co-host, Chris Brito. The NBA season is only a month old, but Tom Thibodeau has been placed on the hot seat after an embarrassing loss. Plus, has a new MVP favorite emerged? One of us thinks so. Before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how are you? Hey, Steven. Happy to be here on another episode of the All Hoops Podcast. Uh, I know you're a little bit further away than New- from New York now, but the Knicks still still aren't you know figuring it out quite yet. Um, one could say that it's same story as always, where it's been a little slow to start. I think we'll get into more of the issues that the Knicks are running through right now. But what are your early thoughts on the NBA at large right now? We're like, I want to say maybe we're like one sixth into the season. Um, yeah, we're about yeah, that's right. Um, what are some of your early observations that are not the Knicks? Yeah, I mean, if we want to go into our bright spots around the NBA, uh, to me, Portland at nine and four, number one in the West, have been the biggest bright spot in my eyes. I mean, we saw Damian Lillard look slow, old, whatever you want to call it in the preseason. I think it was just him getting used to not playing basketball in as long as it was because he looks incredible. And the rest of the team is really rounded into shape around him. Like Shaden Sharp, we weren't really sure what you were going to get out of him. He looks like a legit rookie. Jeremy Grant has been a really great sidekick to Lillard. You have, uh, you know, Josh Hart doing his thing on the wing. Anthony Simons so far has looked pretty good. You know, after they gave him this big contract, he's averaging 22 a game. I think this is a team that legit could contend for a top four seed out West. And that's literally something neither one of us were thinking about before the season. Yeah, I would probably put Portland as one of those teams that completely surprised me. And I think the best part about this Blazers team is that they seem like they can contend with like virtually anybody. They're just so shifty with all those different wings that they can guard many different positions. They already have some chemistry building there and They've had three game-winning shots already this season. And Grant seems like a perfect complement to Dame so far. Uh, and I really want to see how far they can take this because I didn't I didn't expect to see them at the top of the Western Conference. At when, when Grant got to Detroit, he put up big numbers that first half. And he wound up finishing averaging 22 a game. And we said, is this an all-star or is this a guy just playing on a really bad team? Somebody has to score. Well, He's putting up similar numbers this year on a good team, and he's not even being the number one option. He's averaging over 20 a game, 49% from the floor, you know, 46 from three. He's rebounding the ball pretty well, and it's it's a surprise because, you know, you, you expect, you know, Lillard to take all those shots in that game, and his shots are down, but he's still just making every opportunity he gets. And I think that's the most important part as he enters this new phase of his career where Obviously, he's still the alpha, but obviously on the, you know, he's coming back from an injury. He's he's a little bit older, but, you know, I think we all want to see Damian Lillard, like, reach the promised land. And right now, it looks like his team is offering him a chance. Sharp has looked fantastic. I mean, yeah. he looks like he's going to be something special if, if, you know, 
I don't know if his timeline and Dame's timeline will 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 hit the mark at the same time, but it's looking good so far for him as a rookie. And remember, there was there was talk about do they trade that pick for some kind of vet who can help them now, like an OG Ananobi. It was both sides of that were kind of saying you need to include more. And I think Portland's pretty happy they held on to that pick right now. They're really happy with Shaden Sharp. Uh, you have another team that you thought is uh, really impressed you to start this season. Who's that? Yes, it's the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz, out of nowhere, have have come out guns blazing and and one of the best teams in the West so far. Um, and I just think that there were just so much that so much so much heading into the season was about how this team was going to tank for Wemby, but right now this team looks like a legit playoff team. Um, Lori Markinen. You know, the, the Finnish Porzingis, um, he's just playing at lights out right now. And I think he looks like he, he you can make the argument that he's going to be an all-star this year for Utah Jazz. And you're you're sort of in a weird position if you're Utah because you they definitely intended on tanking. Uh, our bets don't look great, but um, I would say that the Utah Jazz are probably the best surprise this M- the NBA season so far. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Laurie, and I love the nickname you gave him, the Finnish Porzingis. That's fantastic. But he's averaging 22 a game, a little over eight and a half rebounds, 52% from the floor, 34 from three. And that's uh, that's a big accomplishment for him. And obviously, I think he could be that first-time All-Star because even if they slip a little bit, if they're 500, I think they might get an All-Star on that team. And he's been their best player. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and then you have contributions from the different guys over there with 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 Walker, the center, the rookie center, um, Malik Beasley, like all these different guys, Jordan Clarkson, obviously. I'm I don't know how far they're going to take this, but I'm enjoying the ride as we go. Um, But, yeah, I do want to talk about the other team, our team, the New York Knicks. Okay. Dave, it's Brunson. Clearly, we needed a point guard for a very long time, but I don't think just a point guard could solve all our issues. And we've seen that already where we've had blowout losses to the Brooklyn Nets and Oklahoma City Thunder, where we're just outmatched, outclassed a little bit. And frankly, I thought adding Jalen Brunson would solve a lot of our issues. And right now it's looking like it, it goes, it, it might for the first person to point our finger at might be Tibbs. We've said Tibbs has been, you know, the, one of the major issues with this team because he his, his over-reliance on veterans, his lack of trust in like some of the younger guys. And I think yesterday was a big uh, example of that. You know, he played, he mostly played Evan Fournier over RJ Barrett in the second half. And it didn't make any sense. The Knicks never went on any kind of run. And I think all the dif- all, all the, the different excuses you can make for Tibbs are running out. And I don't see well, I I I just for me, I don't know how long he can make this last considering he has an upgraded roster and reporting out of, you know, SNY 
basically saying that if the Knicks don't have a good road trip out West, you know, Tibbs or some other significant change might happen within the team. And I don't know what that other significant change could be, but right now it seems like the Knicks are, are getting closer to crossroads in terms of their future with Thibodeau. Yeah. I mean, there's two issues here. One, you mentioned the, the other significant change. To me, that other significant change would be a change in the front office. And I don't believe the Knicks should do that. I think Leon Rose has done a pretty good job building a pretty good young team. It's just not his fault if he can't get Thibodeau to play those guys. I mean, we saw it last year. They trade for Cam Reddish. They won't, and Thibodeau won't uh, let him play over Alec Burks. You know, they have, you know, a couple of interesting young centers, you know, Jericho Sims, Mitchell Robinson, and Taj Gibson's getting far too many minutes. And they he was too stuck to play Obi and Julius Randle together. We saw them do that a couple of times this season and actually win games because of that reason. Um, Ridiculous. So if, if they're not going to, if Thibodeau's trying to squeeze games, he's trying to win as many games as he can, obviously. He doesn't really care about the development of these young guys. So if you're not going to be able to win games and develop or develop young players, what's he really doing here then? And I think the Tom Thibodeau experiment was great to start, like it is in every one of his stops. But then all of a sudden, year two, three, four, it's it's been nothing short of a disaster after that. And I just don't think he's the right coach or where they're at. They really need a guy who could develop RJ into the best player he could be ob into the best player he could be quickly grimes reddish and that's never going to be Thibodeau. we all know that so if if you're not like i just don't you wanted to put him around a team that could defend at a high level and contend for 50 wins kind of like the old school bulls and that's not what this is i can't believe you called the old school bull the old school bulls from like 2011 2010 yeah oh my god (laughs) way to age yourself steven well, you know, it is what it is, but yeah. I just don't think he's the right guy for this group. And I think yeah. the bigger issue is he's just not, he just doesn't seem to be on the same page with this front office where they invested assets into guys like Cam Reddish. And it took, you know, injuries to, to Grimes and other guys to even get him in the rotation at all. And I just think it's a shame. And, you know, this is a 500 team. That's kind of what they look like. They don't look like a team that is more talented than that. It's not like they're underwhelming. They're just, they are what they are. But a West Coast trip that starts with your Jazz, then Denver, Golden State, Phoenix, the Thunder again, who just put up 145 points, and then Portland back home. Um, to me, that's not promising. And if they get off to a four, three, four game losing streak, that might be the end. Yeah. That might be the end, especially because the Eastern Conference is a lot more loaded this year. Yeah. And, like, I know a team maybe like the Wizards isn't going to sustain their level of excellence that we've seen so far this season. Yeah. But there are, like, you can make the argument there are, like, 10, 11 teams vying for playoff spots or play-in spots. And the Knicks right now don't seem primed for one if they don't resolve their situation um, or decide what they actually want to do. Well, the Knicks have had a pretty easy schedule to start the year and they're six and seven. And now they're going to go into, you know, after the schedule I mentioned, they have Memphis at home, Detroit, which is fine. Milwaukee, Dallas, Cleveland, Atlanta. 
So it, it's going like, to be tough. I feel like we've played Detroit so many times in the last. Month. No, no, I know, but we played them twice in the preseason and yeah. then we played them that time. And it just feels like we've seen them every other week. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the one. Um, but, yeah. It's, it's a tough spot to be in because it's still really early and you don't like, I obviously you don't want to put a tombstone on the Knicks already, but I just can't help to shake the feeling it's, Oh, same old Knicks. And I don't, I don't want to say that, but that's well, just it like, clearly is. And but it, you know, Jalen Brunson's a good addition, but he's not stopping anybody defensively and they're not stopping him defensively. So that kind of becomes just a wash and when that's your best player, it's you can only go so far. And Jul- you know, whether that's him or Julius Randle, you know, they they've traded knights for being that best player, right? But neither one of those guys defensively are really gonna get much done. So yeah. at, at most you're kind of evening out that position. And then you're losing the the center battles with Mitch out. RJ has not been great. And whether it's Fournier or Grimes or Reddish, those guys have been very inconsistent. And so you're losing a lot of these other battles and Thibodeau has not really found a way to adjust, especially defensively. I think that's probably his biggest downfall as a coach that as great as he is defensively, him adjusting defensively has not been one of his. He doesn't adjust to anything. He's the most stubborn coach. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And like, I do think like he has his moments. I think he has a place in an NBA bench, but this just doesn't seem to be the place because they're just not in a position to win. This is not a group. Like even if they, they squeeze 44 wins out of this group, how does that help them really long-term? What they really need to do is they need to develop these young players quickly is under, you know, is eligible for a contract this summer. So is Toppin, you know, Grimes will be in a year. They just paid Barrett. You got to see what these kids are. And I think that's literally the last thing on Thibodeau's mind. And that should be closer to the front of it like it is for this front office. And that's why I think it's it's time to make a move. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I feel like um, the good thing is that I feel like we'll come closer to an answer as soon as this trip instead of in February. And And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing for the team in the immediate future, but it might be better for the long-term future, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you know what? Let's talk about a team that might actually have a worse future than the New York Knicks, and that seems to be the Los Angeles Lakers right now. Chris, they don't have their draft pick. They have a terrible roster around LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and I guess Russell Westbrook, <laughs> and they have a 3-10 and record that might be fortunate. They might actually be worse than the 3-10 and record. They've had it you know, journeyman, not journeyman, but uh, undrafted guy, Matt Ryan saved them a couple of times with uh, some late game heroics. And Chris, I, I don't know how they really turn this around. It's such a bad roster. You got role players who used to play with LeBron coming out of the woodwork saying LeBron doesn't have that fire anymore. He's still averaging 25, seven and seven or whatever it is, but it's, it's getting late early and they don't look like they have a lot of answers. See, there was this like this conspiracy theory on on NBA Twitter that obviously I don't really believe, but it it could it could be one of the few things that could explain why the Lakers have been so bad this year. And one of them is how uh, Rob Palenka wants these Lakers to be so bad that that LeBron would leave after this year. 
Now, back to the reality of things. I just think Rob Palenka might be really incompetent at his job. But like, think about what you just said. And I said it on the show before too. And I agree. Like, we, we think they're so bad at what they're doing. They must be doing this on purpose. That's what we're talking about here. There's no way they could be this poorly managed on purpose. And it seems like, as you said, the answer is yes, they are this poorly managed on purpose. And it's going to be an, a nightmare for them if they wind up with like the third pick in the draft and it goes to new orleans see i feel like that's more of a reason to make sure that this season and the next coming seasons aren't going to be bad so how do you do that you improve the current roster and listen who knows what your team is going to look like in a few years why not just go all out to share and try to like get one more run for lebron but obviously i know that's not the reason why you do things but the Lakers are one of these teams that that uh, ownership makes money off, like how how well the team does. Obviously, right? Uh, it's not like these other like tycoons or or moguls that own a business and and own a team. Like this the owner, I, I get what you're saying. This ownership relies on the money that the exactly. Lakers make exactly, and, a lot and so more it, than other teams. It, it makes no sense for me that. Um, they're not going all in to get two pieces that are available that could immediately help this roster. It makes no sense to me. I think they're in the belief that that player or players have not emerged yet. And we just talked about it. Like that Laker pick this year looks very appealing. I don't see why it wouldn't look more appealing in 2027, 2029 when LeBron won't be on the team. So in theory, could they get a better player available at, in February for those two picks plus Russ? I think so. So while I, I probably would have done that Buddy Heel miles Turner trade that we discussed uh, a month ago, two months ago, they might actually be better off at this point right now waiting for February. But although... When you're you think about gonna it, be out of you're going to be out of you're going to be out of contention. So, and then they're going to say, "Hey, it doesn't really make sense for a ten and twenty four team to uh, to be trading draft picks away." So, yeah, I I don't know. It's it's sad because I usually when we talk about these kind of things, we say, "Oh, just do this, this, and this, and you could fix your team." I don't know how they fix this team. I really don't. I don't think the Buddy Heald Miles Turner thing is going to solve anything, like to a significant degree. And I disagree. I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief you think that makes them a playoff team. I think it makes them closer to a playoff team than they are now. I mean, right now they're yeah, worth have... trading the last two assets you have. This is it. They have nothing else. Nothing. Listen, you never want to do a trade because you have to. Well, that's where they're at. That's where they're at. <laughs> and so the other side of it is, okay, you're, you're going to be going through a very bad PR battle for the next couple of months. Are the Lakers going to be able to withstand that? We'll see. They're going to be going through a PR battle for the rest of the 2020s. I really believe that. And it's a shame because this is supposed to be a really special LeBron year. He is 1,076 points behind Kareem all time. That's going to take him around 30 games. So pick hypothetically, if he plays 30 of the next 40 games, you're talking about February, mid-February, right around the All-Star break, this would have been a, a celebration of LeBron. 
And 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 you know what what uniform he's wearing? A Laker uni. And instead, we're gonna say, hey, LeBron had the scoring as an all-time scoring leader. Too bad the team they couldn't put a, a decent team around. That's what yeah. we're gonna say. The, the, other, the other aspect too is that I feel like we both saw that HBO series about uh the Lake the Showtime Lakers. And great. we're also like low-key rooting for Jeannie. To, to succeed with this team. And obviously they already have a championship with her at, at the top. Um, but just to see the Lakers in this position where they're just not like in a position, it doesn't seem like they have the right people around her in terms of making basketball decisions. It seems like right. she has people that, that were either part of the organization or played for the organization. And it just makes no sense that these are the people that you have around you instead of, potentially more capable people. There's no reason why Kurt Rambis should be in there in that list of advisors. Right. I mean, you got the Rambises, you got Magic. He comes in, he leaves. You have Phil Jackson involved uh, or Rob was Palenka. involved. Rob Palinka. Uh, I'm forgetting a, a few uh, characters in there, but the bottom line is I, I think they got to blow this thing up. I think they got to trade LeBron. I think they got to trade Anthony Davis. And because LeBron signed the extension, he's not even eligible to be traded this year, like the whole year. So you're talking about, let's say they have a 25-win season. Now you're talking about trading the greatest player of the 21st century, who, by the way, can still put up 25-8 and 8. And or, and that's that's if, you know, or you're going to just repeat the season again. So it's, they're in a no-win situation. I don't know how they fix it. And uh, if anybody has a plan to save the Lakers, let us know in the comments when we put this show up and uh, we'll read it on the next show. Yeah. All right, Chris, let's get to our final thoughts right after this. All right, Chris, final thoughts time here. I believe Joel Embiid is the new MVP favorite, Chris. He put up 59 points on Sunday. He looked incredible against the Utah Jazz. He's carrying Philadelphia without James Harden. He's finished second. In the last two years, and I really believe that uh, this is his year. The writers want a uh, to root for a story. What better story is this right now? I mean, listen, all seasons seem to start the same way with Embiid being a front runner, and then him inevitably losing it because he doesn't play enough games or for whatever reason. Um, I think it's his award to lose. Uh, I would just say that he needs to play over 60 games in order to, to make this happen. Totally agree with that. And that's why I wouldn't have picked him in the last couple of years because he didn't get in enough games. But, you know, 51 games, 60, 68 games last year, 51 and 51 the two years before that. This year, I think he's going to play enough games because they're going to need him to. They just need him to, to score and dominate. So far, 32 points a game for the process. How about this guy, LaMelo Ball, my guy. He's back for the Charlotte Hornets. And your boy way too soon for my 0 and 4 fantasy team. It's been a disaster, but we uh we could use him back. Wait, uh who'd you lose against last week? I actually lost against you for the first time in club history, which is uh very upsetting to hear, but mm. it is what it is. We're we're gonna get we got Lamelo back, we're gonna get James Harden back, we're gonna get Kawhi back, we're gonna get Paolo back, we're gonna get Mitchell Robinson back, we're gonna get everybody back, and uh, Ben Simmons probably not back, back but, together. Yeah, the band back together and it'll work out. Uh, you brought up an interesting idea before the show to end on this. One thing you'd like to take back from preseason predictions, and I just mentioned him, but 
I thought the Clippers were going to be great. I thought they were going to try to come out and show the world, hey, we're back. We were sleeping giants. Kawhi is healthy. Paul George is healthy. We're ready to go. We brought in John Wall. We have Reggie Jackson. We have all these fun, good wings. And instead, it's we're not sure when Kawhi is coming back. It seems like he's kind of on his own medical situation again with the knee. And not, not only may they not make the finals, I'm not sure if they're even going to be a top six seed if things continue the way they are. So the funny thing I wanted to talk about that is like, it's such a shame being a Clippers fan because probably the worst. It's like, you don't know if your best player is showing up. I mean, listen, I'm sure he's very injured. I'm not trying to say that he's faking his injury at all, but sort of that like back and forth where like, Oh, he plays this night. Doesn't play the other night. It's just like, how can you really grow a fan base that way? Well, not only you can't, but it seems like the team doesn't really know when he's going to play either. And that's been a common reoccurrence going back to his San Antonio days when he had that nine game season and nobody really knew why. And it seems like they almost kind of like cow tip to him. They're a little afraid of what he'll say or what he'll do, but you can't win a title like this. And I was, uh, you know, behind them before when it seemed like, okay, he's going to rest on back-to-backs and he's not going to take the regular season seriously. But now we're talking about a guy who hasn't played in a couple of years, who's still not playing. There's no reason for me to believe this is a title contender right now. And I really screwed that pick up, Chris. I know it can happen. Uh, All right. Me on the other hand, me on the other hand, I don't think I regret anything. The only thing the only thing I potentially regret is uh I had the Nets going, I think they were at 51 wins. Okay. One and a half wins, and I said over. I don't think this team gets close to that, but that's it. I do remember also saying on that uh Atlantic con- Atlantic division prediction show that I thought the Nets woes were behind them and they were the blue skies ahead and that's obviously not the case either they uh, are a little away from that yeah, I, don't, I don't i don't regret the utah one just because the season could could devolve for them but i also don't want it to devolve i still believe but also no one saw that coming so it you know absolutely and uh chris that's gonna do it for us here on the all hoops podcast i thank you as always i thank our wonderful watchers on youtube our listeners on spotify apple and wherever else you get your pods and we'll be back next week to talk more nba action bye everyone